Good afternoon, everyone. It's so lovely to see you. It's very nice indeed. Now, as James has already said, it's Palm Sunday today, so I thought that I would start this Palm Sunday talk very traditionally um, by talking about Mr. Bean. It's just the standard star, isn't it, really? That's how we, how we do Palm Sunday. There he is. Um, so I grew up with Mr. Bean VHSs. That's right, VHS. Um, and there was, there was one that I particularly liked. Me and my brother had this wonderful VHS. We watched it all the time. And it was the one where he does a maths test. Does anyone remember this particular sketch? Yeah, all good, good. I'll explain it to you. Now, I, I did try and get Rowan Atkinson here. He wasn't available. So James is acting us out. No, he's not. <laughs> Um, but it was a nine-minute clip, and I thought, well, I could show it, but then I'd just have to sit down afterwards, and, you know, you don't want that, do you? So um, I'm going to explain it. So what happens in this clip is that Mr. Bean turns up to do his maths tests, and we all love those, right? I, I mean, I genuinely do, but anyway. Um, so he turns up, and he has revised one topic, and the person next to him has revised another topic. And he is looking very cocky at this point, and he's going, well, I'm pretty sure that it was that one last year, and it's the one I've revised this year. And um, the examiner says, well, you can get the papers out of the envelope, and you can begin the test now. So, of course, he opens his envelope, pulls out the paper, and it's the one he hasn't revised. And it's a disaster. He's looking at it going, oh, no. I don't know the answer to anything, and you can see the panic setting in there um, with his little mascot pink panther at the side. Um, and what he does is he spends basically this whole nine-minute clip trying to copy the person next to him in varying inventive ways. And it's very funny. I highly suggest you watch it. And then right at the end, of course, the examiner says, those of you who have done the green test, please put your papers on the right. Those of you who have done the white test, please put your papers on the left. And it turns out he could have done the paper he'd revised all along. It was just still in the envelope. And they, I know, poor Mr. Bean. And of course, he, he immediately tries to do it really quickly, and he is not able to. But he really misses something, doesn't he? Poor old Mr. Bean. He's always getting something wrong. But he misses a really key thing in this sketch, because he doesn't see that there's actually a test in that in the envelope that he could have done all along. So he misses a real key point. Almost like Luke, I, I don't imagine you spotted it in the reading. Did you spot it, Mal? Luke, in the Palm Sunday reading, doesn't have any palm leaves. Luke missed it as well, I know. Luke missed the memo. He didn't know it was called Palm Sunday, and he, there are no palm leaves. It's a bit awkward. But anyway, so Palm Sunday it is, of course, the run-up to Passover, and I'm sure you all know what that means. It's the time when people would arrive in Jerusalem by their masses to celebrate this feast of Passover. So it's a time when they're celebrating that God, that Yahweh freed them from slavery right back in the book of Exodus, oddly enough, uh, at the beginning of the Bible. So it's when they're celebrating that Yahweh freed them from slavery a long time ago. But as you can imagine, for a people that are currently in a nation that is under Roman rule and they're being oppressed, celebrating your freedom is kind of a little tense. So it's quite a, a tense time in Jerusalem, actually. They're, they're celebrating freedom while not being free. So it's kind of a politically really delicate time. You can imagine it, can't you? It's like worse than Brexit was here. Um, 
And so the Romans, of course, they put lots of extra troops in Jerusalem. There it is, by the way. That's not a random city. So they put lots of extra troops in Jerusalem during the festival times to make sure, basically, that nothing's going to kick off. And so there's a really heavy Roman presence. And there's a Roman procession of power, in fact, to to really emphasize their authority, their rule. And that's happening in the west of the city. So they're coming in on horseback, and it's a very powerful-looking thing um, that's kind of showing off their military might. And then we have Jesus, cheeky little Jesus, on the east side of the city. And he's deciding to do his own procession. So he's doing this procession on the east of the city while the Romans are doing theirs in the west. Now, what is this? Is this, he looks very happy as well, look at that. Um, But what is this? Is this some sort of act of defiance? Is this the act of somebody who's going to overthrow the Romans? What is going on here? What is he up to? Because it's clear and obvious that this is a rival procession and a very different looking one. But there's so much more going on, I think. And the crowds in this procession, they're responding with kind of excitement and they're getting involved. They're really involved in this thing. And, and it's, there's a real buzz as this kind of picture shows. It's a photograph, it's a, not a reenactment. But <laughs> the crowds, they are shouting. And they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, you all know that that is a quote from Psalm 118, um, which is known as the Conqueror's Psalm. So they're all shouting something out of the Conqueror's Psalm. So they're kind of welcoming Jesus as a conqueror, as the conquering king coming in. And Hosanna means save us. So there they are in this kind of politically delicate time, and they're looking at him going, save us, save us from the Romans, and welcoming him as a conquering king actually what Jesus is doing is fulfilling uh, an Old Testament prophecy. There's lots lots of biblical stuff in here today I've been researching. So he's fulfilling uh, an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah and the, the prophecy says, see your king comes to us, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from death in the waterless pit. See, Jesus is choosing to fulfill this, this prophecy visually and obviously in front of this crowd of people. But the prophecy was really clearly about peace. It says he will proclaim peace to the nations, yet they're welcoming him as a conquering king. It seems like maybe the crowds have kind of heard this prophecy and taken in part of it and listened to part of it and then sort of maybe not listened to so much of the rest of it. Not that we ever do things like that with the Bible. Of course we don't, do we? We don't pick and choose verses ever. No, no, no. Um, But the crowd, they're sort of missing the point a little bit. They're just missing the mark. And you see, the people think they know, they think they understand, they think they understand what is to come. Very much like us reading the Bible, of course. But they think that the prophecy must be about overthrowing the Romans, it must be about bringing peace in our time now. 
must be about getting political power, right? It's got to be about ruling in this human way that they know so well. And I don't think that expectation is wrong, because I think we'd expect exactly the same thing. I absolutely do. But they don't see the bigger picture that's happening. See, Jesus didn't come to overthrow the rulers of just one nation and just one people group in one time, but he's come to overthrow the powers of sin and death for all people of all time and so that people can be free forever. It's a much bigger thing than they knew. So by fulfilling that prophecy, Jesus is claiming much more. He's claiming that he's bringing a kingdom much bigger. It's a kingdom that's way is peace. He's claiming to be the king of the whole earth, not just one nation. And he's claiming that he can set people free from death, not just the oppression of the Romans. And of course, all of that points forward to next Sunday when we'll be looking at Easter. But that's not for today. Jesus is proclaiming peace in the deepest level. And I think so often, like the crowds, I think we so often try and fit Jesus into our own expectations, or we misunderstand what he's about. We kind of get half of the picture. We get half of the exam like Mr. Bean, but we don't see the other half. I wonder kind of what views of Jesus you've maybe grown up with, or what views you've come to to see as just normal, but actually we've missed something. We've missed the point somewhere. Maybe it's even something someone here said. I wouldn't, of course not, but you never know. You see, we so often think we set the standards, actually, for what peace looks like, for what love looks like, for what hope looks like. But when we start with us, we almost always end up in the wrong place. Do you know, when, when me and John argue, which is so rare, of course it is, you know, because we're, we're perfect. Um, <laughs> when we argue, I think to myself, well, the way, the way to make peace here is if John apologizes. <laughs> Thanks, Becky. <laughs> Probably true, yes. It's the easiest way, anyway. <laughs> but actually, normally, it involves having a conversation. Sometimes both of us apologize. Sometimes one of us. <laughs> but the way to peace isn't ever quite what I think it's going to be initially. But it always changes. And I think it's a little bit like that. I think we often think we know how to get peace. But actually, we need to come to Jesus because Jesus is the one who sets the standard for peace. So I think all of us know, kind of, we think we know how to achieve peace in our lives. We think it might be changing our jobs. We think it might be getting more money. We think it might be repairing a broken relationship, maybe. Maybe it's finding a babysitter and having a night off. Maybe it's the kids just not being on TikTok so much, right? Maybe it's Kath not being on TikTok so much. (laughs) 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 Jokes, Kath. (laughs) But actually, it's Jesus that gives peace. It's Jesus that gives us true peace. And it's the peace that passes all understanding. And that's far beyond any form of peace that we could create ourselves. So Jesus is still that bringer of peace. Just like he was on Palm Sunday, he is still the Jesus that brings peace into our lives today. And I've got three little challenges for you for Holy Week. So there you go. They're they're there. Sneak preview. 
So the first one, you might want to reflect on what is it that you have been missing the point about Jesus? What is it that we've misunderstood? Am I missing something? Have I always thought of Jesus as far off and distant, but actually he's really close and wants to know me? What is it that we've been missing? The second one is, where do I need peace in my life? What area is it of your life that you are desperate for peace in today? And I'd invite you during this week to find time to sit down, to sit with Jesus, to allow Jesus' peace to transform you, to invite that peace in wholeheartedly. And the last one is, how can I be a peacemaker this week? How can I carry that peace of Jesus into the places that I'm going, into the places around me, into the lives of those that I know? How can I join that procession and take peace with me? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite Dave um, to play for us as a response in a minute, but let me pray first. Jesus, we thank you that you came with a peace that is so vast. We thank you that you can bring peace into any situation. And we thank you that it is available to each of us today. We pray that you would help us to know that peace, to know you more closely this Holy Week. Amen.